I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus. Since I found in him a friend so strong and true, I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as He. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much He cared for me. All my life was full of sin when Jesus found me. All my heart was full of misery and woe. Jesus placed his strong and loving arms about me. And he led me in the way I ought to go. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. Every day he comes to me with new assurance. More and more I understand his words of love. But I'll never know just why he came to save me. Till someday I see his blessed face above. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cares for me. Let's take our Bibles today. Turn over the book of Proverbs. Back in the book of Proverbs. It's Wednesday night. We kind of threw in a little zinger Sunday night and did a Wednesday night one. But Proverbs chapter 25 again. We're back in chapter 25. If you haven't signed up for the Bible reading for that time, gentlemen, make sure you get signed up. We're right on schedule now. We know exactly when it is. We're excited about that. Reading through the Bible from the very beginning to the very end uh, in that first few days. The first service, we start it and we go right on through the Wednesday night reading through the entire Bible. Well, I'll tell you what, that's going to be exciting, isn't it? 24-7. going to get on it and read right through it. What a way to dedicate the building. What a way to kick things off. Amen. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 19 tonight. And uh, just a simple thought this evening. 
Again, it's um, just, uh, I guess, the kind of evening it is. I don't know, just a windy, crazy night. I mean, I went outside. I saw a, uh, just uh, went outside. I saw some stuff was blowing all over the place out there in the backyard. I do a real good job of cleanup in the fall, and everything was blowing around. I don't know what it was. I should have put it away probably. But anyway, I went out there, man. I'm not joking. I thought I was going to get nailed in the face or head with something flying through the air. And like I said, I, I could have swore it was like some kind of movie. I mean, the perfect storm or something type thing, you know, just a... And I tell you what, it was something. So I got it, I got it figured out. But uh, wow. Chapter 25, verse 19. Yeah, you think my hair looks bad now. You should have seen it then. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 19. Chapter 25, verse 19, we read, Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. Boy, the Bible's practical, isn't it? It's practical. You think, man, this Bible's so antiquated, it's so old, it's so out of date. I think it's right on target. I was in Amish country with my wife one year, and as we went out to Amish country, my tooth was hurting. And, uh, I mean, it, it just seemed to get worse and worse and worse as the drive out went. And, I mean, to tell you, I did all I could to enjoy that trip. I did everything I could to, uh, I mean, the beautiful room and just uh, the wonderful food and, of course, the Tremendous company. Man. Tremendous. Right, sir? Okay, so anyway. But let me tell you something. That old tooth, that affected every aspect of my life that week. I mean, those last two days, we spent just a couple nights there. I'm telling you, it was crazy. I couldn't eat without this horrible pain shooting through my whole mouth. I was in agony, whether I was sitting or standing or walking or talking or being quiet. It didn't matter. It just would throb and throb to the point where I could not stand it. I mean, it was just driving me crazy. I remember looking through the yellow pages and trying to find a dentist that would pull it out. I didn't care. He said, fix it. I could have cared less. It hurt so bad, I just wanted that tooth ripped out of my head. I mean, it got so bad that I was in the bathroom banging my head against the wall. I mean, I was just, I mean, it was bad. I just wanted to be knocked out. I was taking you know, Advil, and I was trying to rub that Orgel on, and I drank a fifth of whiskey. No, I didn't. But anyway, I mean, I was doing everything I could to get rid of that thing, and I just couldn't shake it. It just wouldn't go away. So we made our way back, of course, to Akron finally, and I, I, I just thought, man, I can't, I, you know, it was just crazy. So anyway... And we couldn't find a dentist in Sugar Creek, of course, at that time. And this was a number of years ago. They had nothing out there at that point. I mean, it was, you know, a few years back. But anyway, we get back home, and, and I remember, you know, scheduling an appointment. We got, I got into the dentist finally. And I, I have this, at the time, I had this really small little dentist. She's, she's probably all about 105 pounds soaking wet. And uh, she's, I mean, kind and nice and all. And, and I remember going there and getting in the chair, and she comes in there and, she says, well, we're going to try to save your tooth. And I said, man, I don't care what you do. Just stop the pain, you know. And so she's in there drilling and stuff, and she's poking around. And next thing I know, she goes, oops. 
And I said, Oz? What, what Oz? She goes, uh, well, uh, well, hold on a minute. And, and next thing you know, she goes and gets another couple other tools. She comes in and she goes, I said, oops, what's oops? She goes, your tooth just shattered and broke in half. So she starts pulling pieces out. It was, it was just a bad tooth, really bad shape. And then so she climbs on top of me and starts ripping the rest of it out and all this stuff. And literally she did. It was amazing. She's straddling the seat. And I'm over here like, and she's on top of me going like this and like this and like that. I mean, I'm like, wow. I mean, she obviously, you know, has, you know, must have been doing that Gene Simmons workout or something when she was younger or something. But anyway, I mean, it was amazing. And so out came the tooth. But, you know, here's the bottom line. I mean, that tooth had broken right in half. No more drilling at that point. She just started pulling pieces out. But broken teeth cause a lot of problems. Broken teeth. I mean, they can really ruin your day. Really ruin your day. The Bible says in Proverbs 25, 19, Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth. <clears throat> I was playing Little League football. And um, we had uh, we'd made the playoffs that year. Now, I played on a lot of football teams when I was a kid. We never really did that well, to be frank with you. Our teams were always pretty bad. But this particular year, I was only 12 years of age, and I was playing what they call JV ball, and it was for 11- and 12-year-olds. And, and uh, we, we made it to the playoffs. And we were going to be up at Bullock Junior High over there in the Coggle Falls area. We were going to play the, the uh, Garfield Rams, okay, for the playoffs, you know. The team that wins that goes to the championship. And, I mean, we were fired up. We were excited. Man, the first time we'd, I'd ever been probably to a playoff game like that, this was the best. I was, oh, man. And my coach had worked with me, and he, you know, I was a, a linebacker, inside linebacker, and uh, he had worked with me. I had to watch films and stuff, and he let me call the, the, the defense on the field and all that. It was just really a kind of a neat thing. I, I just got to do some things that, you know, probably every kid dreams of doing, you know. And so I was calling the defense on the field, and, man, it was going great, making a lot of tackles. I'll be honest with you, at that time, I was pretty decent sized for my age. I didn't keep growing, though. That's why I was never a professional football player, even though I had the stamina, the strength, and, of course, the looks. But the fact is, is that, is that I just, it just didn't work for me. And so, anyway, we're not on the field. We're making those hits, you know, and playing the game. And it's zero to zero, about two minutes left of the, the first half. And all of a sudden, the, the line breaks down in front of me. I, I shed the line, the, 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 the offensive lineman, though. And the, the, the fullback comes through the hole. And I take the fullback on and shed it. And the runner's right there, flashes right in front of me. I go backwards. And when I go backwards... For some reason, I throw my legs up to kind of, you know, to protect myself as they come down on me. And when I did that, my knee got jammed into my chest. My foot, the bottom of my foot, got caught on the chest of that running back. He came straight down on me full force, and a bunch of people piled down on top of him. So my knee's being crushed into my chest. My foot's getting pinned back toward me. So my toe's going down toward my face. And I feel this sharp, agonizing pain in my, my foot and ankle. Man, I mean to tell you, I'm going, get off! I'm yelling at Tom, get off! You know, I'm freaking out, you know. And they all start piling off. And, and, and of course, you know, I try to get up and I can't walk on there. And so they come out and they get me and finally they carry me off the field. I'm like trying to get out of their arms. You know how it is. You don't want to get carried off the field. 
So I get to the sideline. They set me down. They start wrapping my ankle, you know, and rip my shoe off first, take all that stuff off. Then they start wrapping my ankle and everything. And they're like, can you stand on it? Can you stand on it? And I'm over here trying to stand on it, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's still hard. I can't. And they're wrapping it more, wrapping it more. Don't let it move. Wrap it tighter, wrap it tighter. The coach is crying out. And, and I'm trying to stand there, and he's like, okay, can you, can you move? Can you, can you stand on it? And I'm like, man, it's really hurt, coach. I don't know, what, I'm a bear, I don't know if I can do that. And, and the Rams run down the field, score. And in two minutes, they scored twice. Let's say about me. <laughs> so, anyway, so anyway, they scored twice. And so I, all I know is, is that, man, I, I need to tell you, it, I tried to put weight on that ankle to no avail. It was so painful, so frustrating, and so disappointing. And I was so hindered by the pain that I couldn't contribute any longer. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. You ever had a problem with a tooth? You ever have a problem with an ankle or a foot that's out of joint? Have you ever had a situation where you've got that and it's so hard to get around and I mean, it hinders you. It keeps you from doing what you want to do. It's painful. It's frustrating. It lets you down every time. That's why we're admonished in the Word of God in the book of 2 Timothy. Turn there, if you would, please. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. The Apostle Paul, of course, writing to his protege and son in the faith, Timothy. Over in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, makes the statement. He tells him, In the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to, what kind of men? Faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. He tells him that he's to commit thou, he says, these same things, these very things that you've heard of me, the very things you've been trained and taught, by myself and among many witnesses, the same commit thou. You commit them now. You in turn give them to and commit them to faithful men, the Bible says, who shall then in turn be able to teach others. And so we understand what's going on here. We understand that at some point Paul the Apostle and then other great men of God had received and had gotten the Word of God and then they were to give it to men like Timothy who then would then receive it and apply the truth and then turn around and give it to the next generation as well. But he says, be careful now, Timothy. Understand that when you get this, this, this truth, when you, when you're, you, you take this information and all the, 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 the ministry that you've been handed and, and the opportunities that you've been given. Make sure that when you commit them, you commit them to faithful men. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, we read, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. There's that word faithful again. And, and you say, what's going on? Why is God so big on this faithful thing? I mean, I mean, Everybody's not faithful. I know that. That is true. Not everybody's faithful. But he's saying, now listen, he's saying confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is, a, is, as a bro, is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. So God is trying to spare us some pain then. That's what he's trying to do. He's instructing us to be careful about who we place in positions of leadership then. 
You have to be careful with that. And again, I don't know, I'm not necessarily talking about just the pastorate. I'm not just even talking about maybe just a Sunday school teacher or a bus captain. I'm talking about any aspect of leadership. I'm talking about anything that you might be given where you have a responsibility. And, and, and God's trying to warn us and he's trying to protect us from surrendering that, 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 that authority to them and then finding out later that it's not being accomplished. He says, listen, I want to spare you some trouble. Give it to a faithful man. Give it to a faithful woman. Give it to somebody that's going to follow through from beginning to end. Ladies, can I tell you to be careful who you place your faith in when it comes to getting married? You better be real careful. I mean, if you structure your life and you structure your marriage and you structure your home according to the Word of God, then let me tell you something. Your husband will play a major role in your life. I mean, he's responsible for you. He's to take care of you. He's to meet your needs. You better find somebody that's faithful. Someone says, I want a hunk of hunk of burning love. You better get somebody that goes to work and pays the bills. I can't guarantee you that. You know, I'll tell you what, the honeymoon don't last forever. And I'm not saying it's not a honeymoon in your whole marriage. It can be. It's wonderful. But let me tell you, you got to eat too. We've got to be careful who we trust. In that sense, let me give you a couple of biblical examples of people who struggled with being faithful. First of all, I think of Moses. And, and I'm not talking about Moses being unfaithful, but I'm thinking about Moses right now as he goes into the mount where he, he goes to meet with God, of course. And there in that mount, he receives the Ten Commandments. What a wonderful thing that was, huh? Wouldn't you have liked to have been there and watched the finger of God? That would have been pretty cool, huh? And while there, he's 40 days and he's 40 nights. And, and there in that mount, uh, uh, while he's experiencing the very presence of God and the power of God and the finger of God, and the people grow restless down below. And in their haste, they, well, they pursue a dangerous path. That's for sure. He makes his way down the mountain and we're told what he sees. Take your Bible, look over the book of Exodus chapter 32. Here we find what he sees as he comes down out of this mount. After being with God himself, God has delivered them out of Egypt. God has taken them over the Red Sea. God has provided them manna in the wilderness. God's given them water to sustain them and meet their every need. And now we see Moses coming down out of the mount. (laughs) Look what he sees. The Bible says in Exodus 32, 19, And it came to pass... As soon as he came nigh unto the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables out of his hands and break them beneath the mount. Calf? What in the... Calf? What in the world's going on here? Well, that's the question that Moses asked Aaron, his brother. And, of course, the very man who was in charge of this so-called group... Look at Exodus 32 again. Look at verse 21. And Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee, that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? Again, it's very difficult for us to understand from just that one little phrase up there. He comes down and he saw a calf and 
the dancing. We're going to have more expressed to us, explained to us later here. We understand that there's much more going on here. It's a, there's things going on here that we don't want to talk about in mixed company. It's a mess over here. You've got to realize, and again, this is something I think that we forget sometimes, but Israel, they were idolaters. In Egypt, they worshipped idols. And we know that, that, that Israel struggled with some things. And we find that later on. As a matter of fact, that's why they go back to, to idolatry so quickly. And by the way, if you have a problem with something in your life, a vice in your life, whether it's an immoral vice, whether it's just some, some issue with drugs or alcohol or a temper or whatever it might be, I want you to understand that you are more prone to go back to that in the midst of a difficult time in your life because you're comfortable there. Israel is comfortable with idolatry, unfortunately. We find out, of course, we recognize that back in Joshua even, when Joshua says, you know, you're going to serve God or are you going to serve the gods that your fathers did on the other side even? Well, that's idolatry. And so nonetheless here, we see here, and he goes on and says, and Aaron said, he said, let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief. For they said unto me, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, uh, for the, the, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we would not what has become of him. And I said unto them, Whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it me. Then I cast it into the fire, and there came out this calf. Oh, well, there you have it. Well, in that case, I mean, obviously it wasn't your fault. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't have done anything about it, Aaron. I, I get it. Yeah, I see. You threw all that gold into the fire and it, poof, it came out a calf. That sounds like evolution. And yet evolution started with nothing. And still created everything you see, feel, and touch and hear today. At least there was gold in this one. Moses looks up and says, Boy, Lord, all of a sudden, I got this unbelievable toothache. That's what he said. You don't believe? Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. This situation extremely, it, it really hindered. Aaron is really hindering me, Lord. Aaron is causing me much grief. I leave him in charge of these people. I ask him to take responsibility. And when I ride back, I got a limp and a toothache. That's sad. And Aaron's the toothache. Causing the trouble. Jesus, as we well know, is God in flesh. <clears throat> Excuse me. He was used to the angelic host literally surrounding him, serving him, and meeting his every need. He leaves heaven and he takes his place here on earth. While he's here, he enlists some disciples. Jesus 
begins to pour his life into these men. He invests his energy, his time into these men. He teaches and he trains them. He empowers them and he enables them to accomplish the calling that he gave to them. He spends three years personally instructing, sharing his life, caring for them and meeting their needs and proving his deity amidst them all. While ministering to the world, there were those who just couldn't handle staring into the face of perfection. They couldn't deal with it. Every time they looked at Jesus, they saw how bad they were. I mean, they look at the Lord and they'd say, Man, we can't figure out anything or any way to get Him because every time He turns around, He touches it and it turns to gold, so to speak. There's no way to get Him. It's like He just knows what we're up to. It seems like he's, He understands what, where we're going with every turn and He's just so wise and He's got all the answers and He's so perfect. Don't you hate perfect people? Well, they hated Jesus. They hated Jesus. We can only hope tonight that the entire roof blows off the building. So you hear that banging around? Just let it all fly off. And if it does, that alone will pay for the building. It'd be wonderful. Simply wonderful. That would be an act of God. It's a wonderful act. Nonetheless, <clears throat> our insurance company may not like it a whole lot. But anyway. So, nonetheless, instead of changing, instead of turning from their sin, these folks decide to criticize and ultimately condemn the Lord Jesus Christ. But they don't stop with that. Ultimately, they... they Realizing they can't really get him, they go ahead and they lie and they deceive and they do whatever they can to falsely accuse him so that they can ultimately crucify him. As the Lord sat at what we have now deemed the Last Supper, he drops a bombshell on the disciples. Look in John chapter 13, verse 21. John chapter 13, verse 21. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Wow, that's, that's a bombshell. These twelve had traveled with him. These twelve have slept there side by side. They've eaten with him. They've fellowshiped with him. They've lived there with him for three years, traveling across these, this dusty trail and and. and Fulfilling the, 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 the prophecies. And man, they've just had a time. And here they are now, Jesus saying, one of you is a devil. One of you will betray me. They go around and say, is it I, Lord? You say, I've never said that. Maybe we ought to. Maybe we ought to be so humble and so careful with our walk and relationship with the Lord, could that be me, Lord? 
oh, Lord, I, I don't want it to be, but, oh, Lord, is it me? I mean, I'd hope that we wouldn't, but let me tell you something. If we really believe somehow that under the right circumstances we wouldn't be tempted to betray him, we're fools. To just really say, oh, I would never do that. That's crazy. And if these 12 could have even thought possibly it was them. Are you kidding me? I'm just saying under the right circumstances, you'd be amazed what you're capable of. I'll tell you what, and I don't know how we've got to get through this message, but I'll tell you, be real careful how you put a finger on people and go, I can't believe that person took their life. I can't believe that person did this. I can't believe the person did that. Let me tell you something. You get in the right circumstance, situation, you just may think about it and maybe even do it. Let's not get so haughty and so self-righteous that we think somehow we're impervious to this flesh. Let me tell you, you get depressed enough, you may think about taking your life and you may even try. So let's not get all haughty about it and think we're better than everybody because, well, I've never done that. Well, good for you. Good for you. You ought to have such great compassion for others and you ought to just thank God that it's not you, that you ought to be thrilled to death to say, if it weren't for the grace of God, there go I. So nonetheless, John chapter 13, verse 26 through 27 says that Jesus begins to tighten the circle, tighten the rein, and he, he begins to identify this betrayer. John 13, 26 this time, Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. You know, the disciples never did really catch on at that point. But Jesus, he leaves, scurries off. So Jesus is in the garden, of course. He asked Peter, James, and John to tarry with him and to pray and to watch and pray for just a while with him. And so Jesus makes his way into the garden and he doesn't just pray once. No, he doesn't just pray twice. No, he prays three times. And then he hears the scurrying of feet and he realizes at that point it's time. He gets up from prayer only to wince in pain. His foot, ankle, is out of joint. He put his confidence in a man. You say, but he was Jesus. I don't think he wanted Judas to fail. I, I don't. I don't think God wants anybody to fail. I don't think God looks at these young men and goes, I want you to succeed, I want you to fail. Or I don't think he looks at them for sure and says, I want you to go to heaven and I want you to go to hell. I don't think God does that ever. But I'm going to tell you something. One way or the other, prophecy was fulfilled. And I'll tell you what, Jesus had a limp when he got off his knees in prayer. Because the Bible simply says, confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. And again, time has gone past this. Let me give you these three thoughts real very fast. This was supposed to be the message. Here it is. Number one, if you put confidence in an unfaithful man, he is going to let you down. He's going to let you down. You can't bite down on a broken tooth. You can't put weight on a foot that's out of joint or, or an ankle out of joint. You can't do that. And in that same manner, you cannot lean on an unfaithful man in time of trouble. When the trouble hits, he's going to let you down every time. She's going to let you down every time. 
Oh, He'll promise to be there. She'll promise to be there for you. But when trouble comes, I'm not talking about when it's all easy street. I'm not talking about when it's comfortable. I'm talking about when trouble comes. I'm telling you, you're going to be disappointed. Why? Because they're going to let you down. Why do you think we spend time trying to put the right people in place? Why do you think we expect people to be faithful before we give them a job? I'll tell you why. Because come Sunday morning, I don't want to find out there's six teachers that went on vacation without telling the Sunday school director. And we got six vacancies and their children don't have a Sunday school teacher. And we're scrambling around like little rats trying to find people to fill the spot. And all we do is end up just getting it done and not giving any quality Bible education at all. No, I don't want that. We don't need that. Because if you put your confidence in an unfaithful man or an unfaithful woman, let me tell you, they're going to let you down every time. That's what the Bible teaches. It says, well, why don't you give so-and-so that job? Let me ask you, how faithful are they to God's house? How faithful are they to Bible reading? How faithful are they to prayer? How faithful are they to soul winning? How faithful are they to reach out to their family? How faithful are they? And so we give them a job to keep them faithful? shooting ourselves in the foot now. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. Number two, if you put confidence in an unfaithful man, he's going to cause you frustration. Again, you think you have stress because you have too much to do? You've got to do everything on your own? Try delegating the responsibility to an unfaithful man and see how happy you are. Then see how happy you are. You know, when you actually think it's supposed to be done, but it's not done. When you really just decided you wouldn't think about it, but really in the whole end, it didn't get finished. Or you gave it away, but you weren't convinced that they were faithful, so you worry about it anyway the whole time. When the least bit of trouble rises, or you're up against the wall, or you're facing a deadline, or time's running out, the faithful man or woman will leave you hanging with not only your job to do, but theirs. That's pretty frustrating. That's pretty stressful. How many men have checked out on their wives and their families when it got tough? How many women have stepped out the same way? Well, it's tough financially. We can't make it. Oh, well, I'm out of here. I can't deal with the pressure. I'm sorry. I can't deal with it. What do you mean you can't deal with it, sir? Do what you got to do. They're your responsibility. Nobody made you marry her. Nobody made you have kids. Do your job. Take responsibility. It's because it's getting tough now. Don't, don't run away. Don't quit now. Don't give up now. Stick at it. Go to work. Pay the bills. Keep going. That's just, a, I just can't do it anymore. It's just same old, same old every day. I just feel like I'm being taken advantage of. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. We've got to move. I wish I could spend more time on these. Finally, number three, if you put confidence in an unfaithful man or woman, they're going to make life difficult. They're going to make life difficult. Again, you know, you know. let me tell you a little bit about that person. It, that's the guy or gal who disappears when it's time to work. 
But that's, they're the ones that are gone when it's time to work. You know, when it's time to put all the chairs up in the auditorium, they go, they go play with their friends, young men. I, you know, I ain't putting up those chairs. I, I, I didn't come here to put chairs up. I came here to look at the girls and have a good time. You kidding me? Wait, wait a second. I just got a limp. Oh, my tooth's killing me right now. I'm telling you. It's the guy or gal who gives up when things are tough. It's the guy or gal who says, I'll be there, but never shows. It's the guy or gal who picks the fight, but then runs after they started it. You ever been in that one? I have. So I picked the fight, and then the guy looks at me, and I'm like, what nothing to do with that? See you later. Do what you got to do. <laughs> he ain't getting me in that one. I remember one time some dude did that to me, and then I took him back and beat him up. <laughs> you kidding me? You're going to put me on the spot like that? Put me in that position? No. I get a black eye, you're getting two. You know, and the bottom line is this. Confidence in an unfaithful man, the Bible says, in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. You know, we make the Bible so difficult. It's really practical. It's really simple. And, you know, you may not be able to control whether or not you have a broken tooth or a foot out of joint, so to speak. You know, we get in positions where we feel like we've gotten left out, let, you know, that we got let down. And that happens. You know, I, I'm sure there's some of you feel I let you down. And, and I'm sure that there's some of you I feel let us down as a church. We all feel that way at times. You don't think you've torn of the market on that with your pastor, do you? And let me tell you something. When you give a job to somebody and they don't follow through, I don't care how gracious you are, down deep you're going, they left me hanging. They don't have the character they should have. I, I don't care. I don't care who it is. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care who it is. See, I'm a man, you're a man, you're a woman, and we have what we call feelings. And we see things probably very closely the same, you and I. See, if you think I've ever let you down, you may feel that way. Whether I have or not, I don't know. But let me tell you, if you have not followed through on something either, don't think other people around here haven't felt that you let them down either. It doesn't work one way, it works both ways. Listen, we don't, I don't want to be a toothache to anybody. I don't want to be a, 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 you know, a bum ankle. And I hope you don't either. Let's make sure that we, we, all of us, do our best to be faithful men and women. Men and women that can be counted on. I'm not just talking about the ministry. I'm talking about as husbands and wives, dads and moms. I'm talking about as young people and, and as as a son or a daughter. I mean, be counted on. You're faithful. They know you're going to be there for them. They know you're going to be, you know, in their corner. Let's be that kind of man or woman for Christ and for others. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. You be faithful and God will be able to use you in a mighty way. But if you're not faithful in things in your life, it's going to be hard to be used of God be hard. So be faithful. Just be faithful in every area of your life. And you'll be, you'll be a blessing to people. But if you're not, you'll be like a toothache. Or an ankle out of joint. And I don't think any one of us 
want to be that tonight. So let's work at being everything but that. Amen. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time together. Bless us now. And Lord, uh, we, we've gone a few minutes over. Lord, help us to be patient tonight as we take just a minute to, uh, Father, give opportunity to respond to the word of God tonight. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand for just a moment as the music plays. Maybe God spoke to your heart about something. Maybe there's an area of your life where you are not been as faithful as you ought to be. Maybe you haven't been as faithful in your Bible reading. Maybe you haven't been as consistent and faithful in your